Welcome back to the official Sasta podcast with me, your host, Harry Stebbings, found most often on Snapchat at H Stebbings with two Bs. And you can follow the man behind it all, the godfather of Sass himself, Jason Lemkin on Twitter at JasonLK. Always some fantastic tweets to be had there. But to the show today, and we revert back to some of the incredible highlights from this year's Sasta annual 2017. And today, we are joined by the one and only RF Hilali, partner at Sequoia Capital, one of the world's most successful VC funds with investments in the likes of, check this out, Apple, Google, PayPal, what WhatsApp and LinkedIn, just to name a few. As for Araf, he came to the Valley with two suitcases and the ambition to start a company. That he did and had two companies that were backed by Sequoia, first Center Run and then Clearwell Systems, where Araf was instrumental in the company's growth from zero to $100 million revenue run rate in just four years, prior to their $410 million acquisition by Symantec. And today, Araf draws on this incredible operational success to illustrate how to manage up and have a very happy board. But before we dive into the show today, we all know that trust is a key component to the success of any business, and that's where Reviews.io comes in. Reviews.io is a Google-trusted third-party review platform, and is the only platform in the world which collects, monitors, and publishes reviews to Google, Bing, Facebook, Amazon, and more. Reviews.io is the only solution on the market which allows businesses to see a 360-degree view of their reputation across the web, with their robust API that allows you to manage your reputation automatically while achieving the industry's highest review collection. Reviews.io is perfect for any business that's looking to increase conversions, build customer trust, and increase visibility on Google. Unlike competing platforms, Reviews.io do not agree with long-term contracts and even has a 15-day trial for all SASTA listeners. Simply head over to Reviews.io now and sign up for your free trial. But enough from me, so I'm now delighted to hand over to Arif Hilali, partner at Sequoia Capital. Good. That's perfect. Okay, I think we're warmed up. Good afternoon, everyone. So, how to manage up and have a happy board even when you miss a quarter? Well, we, we all know that bad things can happen to good people. After all, cars crash, cats die, elections have unexpected results. But in the context of your business, one of the worst things that can happen is for you to miss a quarter. Because when you do that, it, it's almost like a, a break of the implicit co- agreement that you have with all the stakeholders in the business. And whether it's employees or board members, people start having doubts. Doubt creeps in like a cancer. People start wondering to themselves, does this founder know what they're doing? Is this thing really going to work? Should I be doing this or should I be doing something else? And, and so it's a, it's a, it's a real issue. I spent 10 years as an entrepreneur before joining Sequoia. At my first company, a software company called Center Run, I can tell you we missed a lot of quarters. Uh, my, I, I was a completely clueless founder. It was one of my first jobs out of uh, uh, graduate school. Uh, at my second company, which was a SaaS company called Clearwell, I was a much more confident CEO. And again, I can tell you, we, we missed a lot of quarters. Today at Sequoia, we're very fortunate to work with a number of really great SaaS companies, some small, some now pretty substantial. And collectively as a group, again, I can say they have missed a lot, a lot of quarters. And it's not because these companies aren't great or that the founders aren't spectacular or that they don't have really compelling market opportunities. It's because life is unpredictable. And stuff happens. And so at some point, you will miss. 
no matter how great you are, no matter how ultimately successful your business will be, this day will come. You will miss your numbers and you'll have to deal with it. So in the next 15 minutes or so, what I wanted to do is just quickly run through a basic survival guide for what to do when this happens. And there are really only four key lessons that I, that I have for you. Two to be done before you miss, which you could be doing today, and then two to do at the time that it happens. And there are also a number of pitfalls which I'd suggest that you work hard to avoid. So let's start with the first lesson. The first lesson is don't manage the board, engage them. Now, I realize that the, the title for this talk is How to Manage the Board, uh, but this is actually a really important point. And it's something that I realized at my first board meeting uh, at, my first at my first company, Center Run, which was February of 2001, where myself and my co-founders, we were, let's just say, inexperienced. And our board member, Mike Moritz at Sequoia, was, on the, was very experienced. I mean, to give you a sense, uh, in addition to sitting on the board of our company, which was a six-person startup at the time, he was on the board of Yahoo, Google, Flextronics, and PayPal. And so as I approached my first board meeting, I can tell you, I was pretty terrified. I'd never done a board meeting before. It's just myself and Mike on the board. I'm going to sit down and, and what the hell am I, what, what am I going to do here? So I created a presentation that, that kind of mapped out all the stuff that we'd been doing in the month since Sequoia invested in the company. And he comes in and I start walking through my slides. And after about 10 minutes, he starts kind of doodling on the side of the page. And I, I'm presenting and I'm thinking, hmm, is he taking notes? And I'm kind of looking over. And then a couple of slides later, I see, oh no, he's drawing cartoon characters. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, not what I would have expected, but all right, let's just keep going. And then I had a friend in the room at the time, John Lilly, who's now an investor at Greylock. And he, when Mike wasn't looking, he slips me a note. So as I'm presenting, I open this note and the note says, you're losing him, do something. So I pause and I say, Mike, you don't look very interested in the slides. And he says, no, not, not really. So I said, well, what's on your mind? What should we talk about? And he says, well, I'm much more interested in knowing what's on your mind. Like, what are you thinking about right now? And I said, well, the, the number one thing I'm trying to figure out is, do we need a VP of engineering given the people we have in the building? And then if we're going to be releasing our product in six months, when do we hire a salesperson? Should we also get a marketing person? Should we get the marketing before sales? At what level of seniority given the size of company? And what, what's the profile? I've never hired someone like that before. And we had a 90-minute discussion around uh, how to build an executive team. And I walked out with a much clearer picture of what it is that I was supposed to be doing. And so that's why I say that really you have to remember the board meeting is there for you, the entrepreneur. It's not there for the investors. It's a forcing function. It's a chance for you to kind of pull yourself up from the day to day and think bigger picture about everything that you should be doing, you need to be doing with more of a six to 12 month time frame. The best guide for what you should be talking about at a board meeting is what is most on your mind. And that's why I say as a, as a first lesson, don't manage the board, really think about engaging them. They're a huge asset. So that's the first thing. Now, the second thing is a little bit counterintuitive relative to a lot of what you hear at SASTA, and that is focus on product over metrics. In other words, not just engaging the board, how you engage them really matters. And what I'd suggest, again, which maybe goes against a little bit of what you hear at SASTA, where there's such an emphasis on metrics all the time, is really focus on product. This one came home to me from my second company, which is a, a company called Clearwell, where we started out as an application to analyze email with the vision of, oh, so much interesting information is captured in email, there must be a way of surfacing that for some useful business purpose.
business. And for two years, we iterated through different potential applications. And then we finally found product market fit in an application we'd never really thought about before, electronic discovery, which is... And, and basically, we became a, a vertical SaaS company serving the legal vertical. And then we quickly scaled to about $100 million in, in ARR the time that we, we sold the company to Symantec and were, were, were profitable. At every board meeting, Jim Getz was, a board, was my board member there. And at every board meeting, Jim would just push relentlessly on what are the use cases, what are the, what's the unmet need, what exactly, you know, which parts of the product we're building out now versus later, where's the technical debt, how are we thinking about the trade-offs. Even when we'd hit product market fit and were growing, the discussions were still about product and what we need in, in six to 12 months' time. I just think it's so important and it's such a risk for SaaS companies because SaaS lends itself to metrics. There are all sorts of wonderful things that you, you can talk about. You can talk about CAC or LTV or payback or quick ratios. And what happens is people just get lost in the metrics and they lose sight of what it is you're doing in the first place. And then when you miss your numbers and suddenly the metrics don't look so good anymore, people freak out because they, they've lost their center, their compass to navigate through exactly what the numbers mean. So I would challenge you to train your board members to be able to say in three sentences exactly what is it you do, why does it matter, and how are you going to win, how are, you gonna, how are you different, how are you going to beat the competition. And if they can't articulate that in a very crisp way, then none of the, no, nothing else really matters because they have not internalized what it is that you're really trying to do. I would really focus in, in board meetings on product over metrics, focus on learnings you're getting back from the, the market and, and, and train your board. So those are the two things that I would do before you miss. And let's say that you do those. Let's say that you engage your board, you're not managing them. Let's say that you, you focus on product over metrics. That's all great. You're still going to miss. It's still going to happen. You're still going to have that horrible board meeting uh, where you walk in with your stomach in knots because you, you haven't, you, you feel like you've screwed up. You, you've let everybody down. You promised results and, and you didn't deliver. And now everyone's looking at you with all these questions and you yourself have all these questions, but you know everyone expects you to have the answers and, and you have to deal with that. So what do you do? Well, let's start with what you don't do. What you don't do is you don't say, I know we missed on the sales target, but we hit our recruiting plan and we had this great marketing campaign. And we have all these leads in the pipeline and we're going to release these amazing new features and, and really everything's great. That is not a very, that, that is not a good message. Another one, another not good message would be, well, I know we missed, but if we just keep doing the same thing, things are going to turn around. That again, I mean, whether it's hope or denial doesn't work. Doom, or, doom and gloom isn't so great either. There's one that's not on the, the slide that's probably the most common now I think about it, which is what I think of as the silver bullet theory of if we just do this one thing differently, usually fire the sales guy, then everything's going to be great. Everything will turn around. It's just going to be perfect. All of those cost you credibility because anyone, in, anyone who's been in business knows it's usually not one thing. It's normally a combination of five or six things that you need to, to think about. So, so what I'd suggest, lesson number three, is when the miss happens is own the miss. Take responsibility and, and stand up to it. Realize that for any good board member, they've seen lots of companies miss lots of numbers. And more important than the miss is your reaction to the miss. I think that's a really important point that's often, often lost. And so, so take responsibility. You should be upset. You should show the, you should show people that it matters to you that you do take it personally. You should be, be hard on yourself in terms of what you've done wrong, whether it's things that you did wrong and with the benefit of hindsight 
or things you should have known at the time uh, and, and take responsibility for that. You also should help the board process exactly kind of what what went wrong here and, and how they should think about it. For example, is it a tactical issue or is it something structural in the market? A tactical issue might be that you actually do have the wrong sales guy. A structural thing would be things like, um, you know, we have product issues that are causing churn or uh, there's increased competition and that, that competition is, is stretching out our sales cycle and, and causing price erosion. Those things take longer to, to figure out. But you have to help the board think it through. When I was at Clearwell, I remember we... We just raised Series C at what was then considered to be a, a high price. And the quarter straight afterwards, we had a horrific miss. I mean, huge, just nowhere near the target that we had just raised money on. And I had a, a very unhappy new Series C investor sitting in the board meeting. I remember he came, he sits down, he, looks at, he sits there like this at the beginning of the meeting, just staring at me. And my head of sales was kind of running through the, the pretty terrible results from the prior quarter, kind of going through, oh, you know, we did this and did that. The guy just stares. And then after about five minutes, he interrupts with, what the hell happened here? What do you think happened here? He points at me, ignoring pretty much everybody else. And it was something that I'd been thinking about. I hadn't put it in the board presentation. So I went to the whiteboard and I basically drew out a decision tree and said, well, look, if someone's looking to buy a discovery, they have a choice. They can bring it in-house or they can outsource it to a service provider. If they bring it in-house, then again, they have a choice. They can start with the collection, be gathering data, or they can start by processing data. And I went through the kind of like the decision tree of options open to our customer and made the point that, well, right now we only serve one little branch on this tree, but our sales pipeline is full of all sorts, you know, people at all different points on this tree. So, so if we're going to have a business here, we really need to broaden out and, and serve more than the one branch that we're doing. And we can can do that by not just building new products, obviously, but improving some of our existing and then striking some channel partnerships so that our product could be offered through the channel to people who didn't want to buy, to, buy from us directly. And, and then in order to do that, that we had to cut expenses, including cutting some headcount in order to, to give us a runway to, to do that, even though we just raised money. And I think going through that, the, the tone at the end of the meeting was just completely different to what it was at the beginning because people had started to kind of wrap their head around what had happened and, and, and try and make sense from it. Now, you could go with, I would recommend that you plan ahead and you do what's here and say, control the meeting. So send it out in advance. Send out the fact that your analysis of why you've missed in advance. Talk to people in advance if you need to, but come in, have it be the first item on the agenda and really walk through everything in detail so that, so that people feel like you are kind of tackling it and you're taking ownership for it and you're and that you're owning it so that's the second thing the final thing i think is really important that is often again overlooked you should put the board to work the reason you have a board is to help you in the hard times if everything's just straight up to the right then really you don't need them you could pretty much deal with that yourself when things go wrong and things get difficult that you can turn to these people and potentially get some really valuable help and advice and i i don't mean give them busy work or demeaning tasks or stuff that doesn't really matter just to keep them busy i mean things that were, that would really be genuinely helpful and there, there are lots of things i mean requests like can you you introduce me to five potential customers in the financial services vertical so we can see if that's a good market for us. Or help me recruit a VP of marketing. Or let's walk through the product together and think about how can we simplify the workflow because that'll make a, a, a really big difference to engagement and, and adoption. I mean, these are all things that are 
you could, you could turn to the board about. And again, you, you really want to think it through in advance. So I would go into the board meeting with a, a set of potential requests and potential asks so that once you've processed it for them, once you've kind of got a common understanding of what's going on, you can have the discussion about how they can help, how they can be involved. Because people like to help. People like to, to, to feel involved. So those are the four lessons. Again, I would before today, before you are anywhere near missing your numbers, I would engage your board, not manage them, and I would really focus on product over metrics. And then when it happens, I would avoid these, these key pitfalls uh, that, that we talked about and really own it, take responsibility, and, and put the board to work. The final thing I'll say is that it's been a, a change for me the last five years after being an entrepreneur to be on the other side of the table, to instead of being the person living the miss, to now showing up at a board meeting and hearing about it afterwards. And the part that has surprised me I think, is that very often I'm more enthusiastic about a company after they've missed than I am before. And that when the founders do it right, I actually, I actually feel that it has strengthened our relationship to have gone through that experience, even though the experience is not, not pleasant. I think it's because we all know that building a company is incredibly hard. It's, it's just so hard on so many different levels. And what you realize as you work with a lot of companies is that founders who have the, the grit and the skill to lead their companies through the hard times are the founders who are much, much more likely to succeed. Thank you. What an incredible episode that was with Araf and a huge thank you for him for being so open and transparent in sharing those incredible stories. And if you'd like to see more from us, you can follow me on Snapchat at hstebbings with two Bs. You can follow Araf on Twitter at Araf, A-A-R-E-F. Or you can follow the main man Jason Lemkin on Twitter at Jason LK. We'd all love to see you on those respective platforms. But before we leave you today, we all know that trust is a key component to the success of any business. And that's where Reviews.io comes in. Reviews.io is a Google-trusted third-party review platform and is the only platform in the world which collects, monitors, and publishes reviews. To Google, Bing, Facebook, Amazon, and more, Reviews.io is the only solution on the market which allows businesses to see a 360-degree view of their reputation across the web with their robust API that allows you to manage your reputation automatically while achieving the industry's highest review collection. Reviews.io is perfect for any business that's looking to increase conversions, build customer trust, and increase visibility on Google. Unlike competing platforms, Reviews.io do not agree with long-term contracts and even has a 15-day trial for all Sasta listeners. Simply head over to reviews.io now and sign up for your free trial. As always, I so appreciate all your support and I cannot wait to bring you Friday's episode.